Next on BYUSN, did BYU men's basketball overachieve in spite of another gut punch loss to St. Mary's in the Marriott Center? One point losses to Gonzaga and St. Mary's now. So which one hurt the most? A great question. And I'm not sure we have the answer, but we're going to try. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, January 30th. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who, like many, is available to play quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, Dave McCann. Aren't we all? <laughs> as long as we can walk. Uh, it's the last Monday of the coldest month of the year, so that's almost behind us, even though it's 15 degrees outside. And is more like Lambeau around here yeah. than, than anything else. A balmy 15. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's snowing as we speak. But February brings the thought of spring training baseball. It brings the thought of the sun. It brings the thought of signing day. The Big 12 schedule is going to yeah. come out at some point. We think and this And then the week? next thing you got is spring football in March, and we're off and rolling. And March Madness is uh, shortly behind Oh, there's that, that too. Yeah. yeah. Some things to look forward to in the February frenzy that you just presented. Maybe some NIT madness yeah. Uh, yeah. for BYU. Perhaps, if perhaps. We can get some things going. Hope springs eternal, Dave. Absolutely, because we're almost into February. Here's what we got coming on today's show. Travis Hansen's going to join us live in studio. We'll talk plenty of hoops with him. Steve Young, could he have really been a difference maker for the 49ers yesterday? There was an interesting tweet and a response from him yesterday that kind of lit things up. And BYU TV football analyst David Nixon will be with us. We'll talk about the linebackers and whether or not he thinks that football schedule will be out this week. It's possible. Mm. Here are today's headlines. BYU men's basketball loses in a classic, albeit absolutely heartbreaking game if you're a Cougars fan, most of you are, Against longtime rival St. Mary's, 57-56, Dallin Hall had a career-high 23 points in BYU setback. Head coach Mark Pope says his team did almost everything they needed to do. Um, I thought our guys um, competed in every way and um, um, you know made big plays down the stretch and made you know uh, a couple really nice comeback runs and. and um, Answered the bell in all the ways except for, except for, you know, getting a stop in the last 10 seconds. What in the world does BYU have left in their collective emotional tank? Because here comes third place LMU, who is playing really good basketball, in the next game. Thursday at the Marriott Center, 9 p.m. Eastern. Women's basketball, they lost to Pacific on Saturday in a bit of a surprise. 79-66. Nani Falatea scored a career-high 27. Lauren Gustin pulled down 17 more rebounds. Gustin's now at 1,000 for her career, second only to the great Tina Gunn-Robinson. The Cougars play at San Diego on Saturday. On to Cougars in the NFL, beginning with Fred Warner, whose San Francisco 49ers lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship. They ran out of quarterbacks. That didn't mean Fred was going to stop playing. He finished with eight tackles and one tackle for loss. Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs win a dramatic game, essentially a walk-off field goal to beat the Cincinnati Bengals at Arrowhead to win the AFC title. They will take on the Eagles in the Super Bowl 13 days from now. That's Andy Reid going up against his former team. I love it. That's Juicy awesome. storylines. Oh, yeah. Fast weekend for track and field. Casey Klinger broke the 38-year school record in the 3,000 meters, a record held by his head coach, Ed Eystone. 
Gunnar ran it in seven minutes, 43.96 seconds. Ooh. For the women, Sammy Oblad, Annalise Hart, Marianne Barber, and Briley Pontius broke the school record in the 4x4 relay, 4x400 relay, with a time of three minutes, 39.15 seconds. That's fast. BYU men's volleyball upsets number six UC Irvine in five sets in game two of their weekend duel. Mix Ramos had a season high of 20 kills. Trent Mosier rocking the BYU Sports Nation karma and that Taco Bell deal <laughs> that we're still working on. At a career high with 16 kills and nine blocks. Well done to the Cougs. See how high they move in the polls after that win. Women's gymnastics beat Utah State with a new season high score of 196.650 and their highest team ball score of the season. Elise Rollins, a season high of a 9.925 on the beam. Breakout performance for this team who has frankly struggled in a lot of ways, especially on the beam. BYU men's golf starts their spring season today and tomorrow at the 43rd Thunderbirds Intercollegiate in Arizona. During the fall season, under Bruce Brockbank and Todd Miller, the coaches, the Cougars finished third or better in three out of the five tournaments they played in. You gotta go a long ways from here to play some golf. Yep. That's it. That's the right conditions oh, we yeah. got right now. Caleb Hayes had a tackle. Harris Lachance also in action in the NFLPA Bowl over the weekend. Their team, the American team, beat the national team 19-17. The Senior Bowl, that's the big one. That's this Saturday with Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Blake Freeland. Looking forward to seeing that. You know what to do now. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. We just had eight dudes like battle like crazy in heroic fashion. There's so much growth that has to take place and it just is super painful, but these guys are committed. BYU basketball, straight up, was up against it on Saturday night. Down three rotation players, having lost back-to-back -back road games and four of the last five, and all you have to do is deal with nationally ranked St. Mary's, first place in the conference, a team that's won 10 straight games, and BYU is leading by one with nine seconds to play. It required a ridiculous shot by a freshman, Aiden Mahaney, which he made to his credit for the Gales to escape the Marriott Center. Dave, I know that in that moment, we're all thinking, you have got to be kidding me. How many more emotional blows can this team take? Like, do they have anything left after this? But now that I've had, you know, more than 24 hours to think about it, pretty remarkable what BYU was able to do against St. Mary's, given everything I just set up on the table and as a clear underdog at home, which doesn't happen often. So my question for you, Dave, is did BYU overachieve on Saturday night? Or did they show their potential? Uh... That's a great question. I thought they were going to get killed once I heard that the three guys were suspended. Yeah, it was a six-point St. Mary's favorite going into the game before the news of the three players came out. Yeah. And then, and then BYU has eight points with eight-something left in the first half. And it's just it's, it's what I thought was going to happen. And then they flipped a switch, and they, they turned up their effort. And, and then over the course of the game, they out-rebound the Gales. They outscore them in the paint. They outscore them in points off of turnovers. Uh, how about that? Which dagger of all things for BYU. What they didn't do is make free throws when they had to, and that's the difference in a one-point loss. Uh, the Gales were, I think, 7 of 8 or 8 of 9, and BYU was 6 of 10. Um, 
th that's what allowed a, a last-second shot to beat them. But I thought they did so much more with less. And um, those three guys that let the whole team down by violating whatever they did, going into their toughest opponent on the schedule, if you look at the net, uh, best team in the league, and those three guys, whatever it was, it was selfish and stupid because it kept them off the floor and sent, as Mark Pope said, eight dudes out there yeah. to fight for their life. And then they did, which showed me that if they had that same fight, they wouldn't have lost to San Francisco. They wouldn't have lost to LMU. They wouldn't have lost to Santa Clara. Wouldn't have lost to Gonzaga. And now all of a sudden they're a game out of first place because that kid hit a phenomenal shot at the end of the game. And even Randy Bennett after the game said about BYU, they got beat on two last-second shots here. Otherwise, they're seeing this thing totally different. Yes, Randy gets it. Randy knows what it's about. He knows how maddening this thing can be. By the way, the new AP men's college basketball poll was just released, and Randy Bennett, St. Mary's Gales, are up to number 18. They jumped four spots. The Gonzaga Bulldogs up a couple of spots to number 12. A top 20 showdown in the West Coast Conference slated for this Saturday with Gonzaga visiting Moraga yeah. and St. Mary's. The Gales want to prove they truly are the best team in the conference. Got a shot well, right there. You got a shot on Saturday night at home to go up two games in the regular season conference race. How about that? They're already up one on the Zags because the Zags lost to LMU in Spokane. Okay, enough of the rankings talk. I want to answer the question. Did BYU achieve, overachieve on Saturday night? Yes, 100%. I was optimistic that BYU would bring back great effort having a full week to prepare for St. Mary's as, as much as that stinks. And we talked to the players about having to practice all week with no game on Thursday and coming off two tough road losses. I felt like that was advantageous for them just to grow the hunger and the emotion and give them a couple of extra days to just, I mean, focus solely on St. Mary's, not to worry about somebody else. I mean, if BYU had to play somebody else on Thursday and then turn around and play St. Mary's on Saturday, that's another advantage for the Gales. But I thought that was a clear advantage for BYU to have a full week to prepare for St. Mary's. Came out a little sluggish. The Gales have some sides with Mitchell Saxon, but once he got that second foul, everything changed. And to BYU's credit, with Dallin Hall, that's when the overachieving really began. Right. Right? They took advantage. And all the things you just pointed out, I think the thing I was most impressed with was BYU's ability to take care of the ball pretty well. Only 12 turnovers, which matched St. Mary's. What would this BYU team be this year in terms of a win-loss record if they averaged even 13 or 14 turnovers a game, let alone that 12 mark, which is, a, for this team, that's a great mark against a really good, aggressive, defensive team. So, They'd be in second place. They'd be in second yes. place. Ahead of Gonzaga. At worst, third. Yeah. At worst. At worst. So I really like that. I thought they overachieved in their ability to take care of the ball and to do, as you said, do more with less. Mark Pope did a really, really good job engaging the guys emotionally, getting them right. And we got Trayton Christensen coming in. Most people, most BYU fans are like, uh, who's this dude on the floor that's <laughs> defending in the post? When he came in and Stewart came in, we haven't seen Stewart forever. Uh, and I'm just going, this is, this is what we got. This is the best we got against these guys. BYU had a lead. And then they fought and Ugh. had the lead and had the chance and all that. Th I'm curious about Dallin Hall. And we'll ask Travis Hansen about this too. Did, did he break through this freshman return missionary barrier that seems to get in the way? Because he struggled lately. Yeah. Um, he played great. He played great. Uh, he'll tell you that I didn't play great because I missed that free throw at the end. And then it had a costly turnover, as did Spencer Johnson with the game tied up 
at 55. You know, there was there was more going on than just his missed free throw. Sure, some empty possessions late in the game were, were critical. And, and with Rudy Williams checked out and on the bench with two points the whole game in 14 minutes. That's your senior transfer from Coastal who scored 26 on that floor against Utah. Nowhere in that game against St. Mary's. And so it's the freshman off his mission that says, you know what, give me the ball, I'm just going to do it. And he took it in and drove to the hoop, hit some shots where you're like, all right, I didn't think that I had a shot. I didn't have that a chance to go in. And then all of a sudden, the other guys perk up. And Spencer Johnson is back to back, hits back to back threes. Late. Places going bananas, and, and you got him until you didn't. Yeah, again, BYU in the same type of scenario, albeit a little different. And we'll talk about this in a moment to the Gonzaga game, but you, you had a lead against one of the elite level teams in the country with a few seconds to play and both just heartbreaking finishes. In your gym. Yes. In your gym. Uh, BYU's gonna need some more from Gideon George and, and Gideon knows this. Gideon's a, a capable, good player. He does a lot of things for BYU. He's been in a funk over the last five or six games. They're gonna need more from their seniors. Right, it's uh, really hurt. Yes. Gideon, it, it was really, it really hurt them with lack of productivity. From if Gideon. they want to beat LMU on Thursday and get this thing going in the right direction, get back to 500 in conference and push for the NIT where there's still a seven seed projected in some NIT bracketology experts. We're, we're all for marks. that bracket, whatever it is. We're for, <laughs> you uh, need and, more from your seniors. And this is an LMU team that went to Spokane and beat Gonzaga. So they can win Thursday night. Certainly. Uh, if BYU doesn't bring the same kind of fight in a different atmosphere against St. Mary's. they got an incredible point guard in Cam Shelton who's coming to Provo and they're trying to sweep the series. So big test for BYU. And I just hate so much that Aiden Mahaney's shot is basically 10 years <laughs> to the moment of the Della of a dagger from Matthew Della Vadova. Yeah. Classic rivalry series. I'll Highs say and that lows much. of that, of that <laughs> battle with those guys. All right, our second topic this morning, which one-point loss hurts the most? Oh. Gonzaga, who was number nine when they came in, and St. Mary's, who was 22nd when they came in. Listen, I'm the guy that created St. Mary's face. Not purposely. I know. We, by the way, we saw that uh, on Friday. I, I apologize that you had to deal was, with that again. I was not in on the production call that morning, but they went there. I get it. it I, I'm the guy that produced St. Mary's face, and I, the rivalry is number one for me in the West Coast Conference between BYU and St. Mary's and men's basketball. No other rivalry comes close. But the Gonzaga game still hurts more to me when I'm talking about what BYU's dealt with because – BYU fans had a longer time to go to the emotional place where they thought they were going to win. Yeah. You're up four with under a minute to play with the basketball on your home floor. Place is going absolutely bananas. BYU had a double-digit lead with like five minutes to go. And so there was, there was more time for fans to, to go to the, oh my gosh, it's BYU, yes. they're going to win this. They're going to win this game. So because the expectation and emotional idea of beating Gonzaga was there for longer in that game, only to have it snatched away right at the last second in the most dramatic, unexpected way due to a 28-foot three-pointer or whatever it was from Julian Strother, I feel like that stings more. Like BYU, it was unsure if BYU was actually going to take a lead until Dallin Hall made that free throw with 11 seconds left. Yeah. And so then it was like, oh, so there was, it was yay, and then, ugh, but it was very brief. 
And so that's why to me the Gonzaga loss stings more is because you just had longer to kind of let it sink in that, yeah. oh man, this is probably going to happen. And BYU was at full power, yes. full roster against the Zags. Yeah. And they, and they played remarkable with what they had Saturday. Saturday was David and Goliath. You know, everyone gets Goliath's probably going to win. <laughs> but if, if David takes him into the 11th round, people are like, you know what, that David's tough. Yeah. Yeah, Goliath won, so what? Uh, but but the Gonzaga one, you're right. It was in their hands, and and they, and then they just gave it up. And the way they gave it up was so painful. Absolutely, just, uh, a, a, like a comedy of errors, right? Just yeah. just head scratching they had to work turnovers. Hard to that one. Yeah, Dave, you're a Dr Pepper guy, so it's like you you're outside, you're working in the yard. It's hot, but you know you've got that ice cold one Dr Pepper left in the fridge, and you've been thinking about it for like 20 minutes, and then you go in. <laughs> And your wife drank it, and you're like, "Where's my Dr. Pepper?" You know, like that's exactly the pain. That you have. You've had time it. to go You've there. Captured the motion. And you you lose out. Ah, just that stinks for sure. Okay, yeah. our question of the day is this: Which one point BYU basketball loss hurts worse to you, Gonzaga or St. Mary's this season? At Set Bobo on Instagram answers, St. Mary's. BYU put it all out there and played hard to the very end. It was definitely the more heartbreaking loss. There's some recency bias for sure, and I understand that. But to me, BYU had no business losing the Gonzaga game. This one to me is more understandable because you took a one-point lead. You had a one-point lead, and then St. Mary's just took it right back. It was in question until that moment. We, we all thought BYU was going to beat Gonzaga with four minutes to go. Yeah. And then it didn't happen. We still think that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I still believe there's a Dr. Pepper for me. In the <laughs> Neither things are true. Get Dave his ice-cold Dr. Pepper and let him drink it. <laughs> hey, plan to be with us tomorrow night for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, the coach and a player. We'll sit down with Greg Rubel. Full hour of Cougar Hoop starts Tuesday night, 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app. And look who made it through the storm. Ah, yes. Up next, former BYU basketball great NBA veteran Travis Hansen. He witnessed Saturday's game up close and personal. How is he handling things emotionally? Does he have advice for the Cougars? He joins us next on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Dave McCann. And as promised... We're so pleased to have one of the BYU basketball greats, an NBA veteran, Travis Hansen, an international star. Can I introduce you as that as well? You had a fantastic international basketball career after your NBA career. You can introduce me however you'd like. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. What's it like being a beloved former Cougar? I mean, there's a lot of former Cougars that come into the Marriott Center. Uh, but there's guys like there's Danny Ains, there's you, there's Jimmer, and some of the other guys where you come in and everyone's like, Travis Hansen. Man, was he a this or that. What's it like being that? Is that what it's like? I don't know. I, uh, I didn't know we're beloved. Uh, yeah, you're beloved. You're in that group. What did you say? Abs- group? Absolutely. You had a 40-inch vertical or whatever it was, Travis. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunities I had to play here. It's just a, you look back, time went by so, flat, so fast, but um, when I think about it, it's one of the most special times of life. So I don't know. I love BOU Nation. I love being part of the BOU family. I look at Danny and Jimmer as my heroes too and the seasons and the years they've had and the careers they've had. So if I'm if I'm part of that group, that's a dang good group to be a part of. You're part of that group. BYU loses another heartbreaker. I mean, just 
The Gonzaga and St. Mary's scenarios uh, both sting for sure. We've been asking everyone, you know, which one stings more. So for you as a BYU fan, having watched both those games play out, if you had to pick one that, that stings a little bit more than the other, which, which way are you leaning on that conversation? They both sting. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but they were both awesome at the same time because in the St. Mary's game, I thought the way we were going, we couldn't score. We weren't being aggressive. The refs were letting them really come and be uh, physical with us in the perimeter, and we just couldn't get any paint touches. So I thought – we're lucky if we don't get beat by 15, 20. Right. And the guys battled. And with three guys out and the young and inexperienced we have, and I mean, they, they played awesome. It was amazing that they even gave, came as close as they did. And of course, St. Mary's, once Matthew Delavadova hit that game winner, now they think everyone can hit a game winner in the Mary's Center. <laughs> yeah. It unleashed that confidence. And, and that was hard to watch, but that kid's a freshman. That kid, that was a big time shot for him. Um, so Gonzaga probably hurt more because I think that was more of a winnable game. St. Mary's was surprisingly that we were that close, and and uh, I, I credit the guys. They they should not have even been in that game, and they did. Did you have? We're looking over your your career here. Um, did you have any buzzer beaters where you were on the short end? Ooh, on the short end? Yeah. I don't remember. I, I, I there were some court. three point losses, some four point losses. And especially your your second year when when 18 and 12, right. the team had some ups and downs. But I didn't see any where you were just like, oh, that guy hit a shot and our night was ruined. Moment. No, that was more in the pros. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't remember any in college. Um, no, I don't think so. I hope not. Yeah, you brought up the half-court shot you hit, right? Yeah, I hit one. Yeah. yeah. It looked like a baseball throw and somehow it went in. But, <laughs> but it, went in. it all counts the same. But the, the bigger picture conversation I hear think is during that 18 and 12 campaign, you were undefeated at home in, in uh, that season and then 1 and 11 on the road. Um, certainly you went through some tough losses. So having gone through that, you know, the emotional ups and downs of something like that, um, what, what advice can you offer up to this team to help them kind of find what they have left in the tank emotionally? They're great. I mean, it's all about progression and getting better every day and, and lots of the uh, players have gotten so much better throughout the season. They dealt with injuries and different things, and and but it's the culture, it's 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 the experience, it's the leadership. It's uh, it, it, it sometimes you know building a team is a lot more art than science, and it takes a personality uh, with some of really good leaders with really good strategy from the coach's side and some luck to have one of those really, really good special seasons. And so this is a typical where you have a young uh, squad and you have quite a few kids from the transfer portal come in and it's worked at times and hasn't worked at other times. And that's, I think, I think we, we expected it to work less than it has. And surprisingly, Coach Pope is really, really good. You guys, like Coach Pope is probably one of the top coaches in the nation and one of the top human beings in the nation. And then his staff is awesome. So I, I credit them they, with, with what they have, what they're able to uh, performance-wise get out of this squad year after year or the squads they've had has been remarkable. So I think they've overachieved from, from where they're at. Really? They're, they've got, what, most of their losses are less than five points on average. Yeah, I mean, nine of the ten losses this season, all single digits. Single digits. They, they play defense unlike previous teams. Yep. Maybe that's what's kept them in the games and given them a chance. Certainly they played D on Saturday, uh, rebounded, 
took care of the ball a little bit, and all of a sudden they had a chance against St. Mary's. But, but, but defense pa travels, right? Where you can pack your defense and take it on the road. Steve Fisher used to always say that. Uh, and, and then defense will be the key in the Big 12, won't it, while these other pieces are trying to come together. There's a lot of keys in the Big 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, physicality. I mean, uh, you got to have the body and physical attributes. Um, and the Big 12 is different. They're bigger, stronger, more athletic. Skill-wise, um, and then and then definitely they're going to have to have some different strategies in order to compete. And defensively, it's going to be big for them. Def defense and rebounding will be huge. So we, we got to go get some bigger bigger kids. Okay. The the best squads I've ever been a part of had really good post players. At least one where on the road, wherever you're at, crucial minutes, the guards can't score, the refs are letting them be really physical with you off screens, where you just got to throw it in the post and you got to have someone. Someone please be able to, back to the basket, a.k.a. Drew Timmy, get a yeah. bucket. And BYU needs that. We need that really really bad. And Foose is close. He's young. He's a little bit undersized. And he, he had some injuries at the beginning of the season. But he's close. He's one of those guys that could be that for us. We need another one. And then, um, and then on, on the wings, perimeters, we got to get a little bit longer, a little bit more athletic, and then just stick to our culture. And the first few years, I think it'll be a little shock going in the Big 12. Sure. Every game will be Gonzaga. So it'll be, we'll see how we adapt. But over after a year or two, you just get used to playing, you know, uh, Baylor and and uh, Kansas every night, and the kids will adapt. You'll, I think, I think Cougar Nation will be surprised how well we we do after the first few few years. Former BYU star and NBA veteran Travis Hansen is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You may have just answered my question because I was going to say at the top of the list, what would you have as the one thing that BYU is missing right now that's going to help them the most next year, and, and maybe it's size a, an experienced big man in the post absolutely yeah yeah in order to consistently win you got to get paint touches and either so you got to have some guards that are really shifting getting the paint no matter who's guarding them what defense they run at them whether they trap or whatever um double team triangle and two box and one yeah and this offense especially in mark pope's offense you got to have that yep you got to have that and that's just hard consistently defined it's it's easier to find typically a big post and if we can get some post play, some really good guys that can score back to the basket with some perimeters, well, it's hard to it's hard to beat those teams. Let's talk about Dallin Hall, and he's the point guard moving forward, and and he'll be in his prime when Colin Chandler gets back from his mission. But he's not in his prime right now. He just had the best offensive night of his career, but his free throw shooting has been been tough all season long. When you've got a young player trying to do all these different things, including running the offense and taking care of the ball, then having to score to keep your team in the game, and then having the free throw line be your kind of your nemesis. How do you find a happy place with all that going on? I, I'm in my happy place with Dallin Hall. <laughs> Dallin is a, a hooper. He's yeah. he's really really good to come off your mission as a freshman, and I, I think he's a little bit more rigid than he was as a at Fremont in high school. But he's a little bit more stiff. But that 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 loosens up, and I could never have played as well as he's played straight off my mission. So I'm super impressed. Uh, his leadership, his skill, his IQ, his, his ability to play uh, with his teammates and be a great, a great teammate. I mean, sky's the limit for him. We're, we're really, really lucky uh, we have him this year because we would have had a rough year without him. And he's a good enough shooter, but by the time he's done, 80%, 88% type free throw shooter, the point guard is typically the best free throw shooter on the team. That seems to be the one area that's maybe got the most mission rest. Yeah, I don't see any flaws in his shot. I think his, his shot foundationally looks good. I think he just needs to add a little bit more arch, get a 45-degree angle on there, and it's just flat. 
you know, sometimes mentally you're exhausted. You haven't, you haven't got those reps in at the free throw line. They, you know, I'm, I'm in New York playing against the Knicks and Alan Houston comes up to me and I'm at the free throw line. He says, what do you think about when you shoot the free throw? I'm like, I don't know, back of the rim. You know, I'd never really thought like front of the rim, back of the rim, one of those, you know. <laughs> and he says, you're not supposed to think about anything when you shoot. I said, nothing? He said, no, it's supposed to be so consistent, so repetitious that you get up and you just don't think about anything. You're, you're the zen. I'm like, so I think Dallin is just not that zen yet. Okay. He'll get there for <laughs> sure. If his one weakness is free throws, uh, we're sitting really well because that's something he can, he can improve sure. pretty quickly. That's a great story. Alan Houston, I mean, we're talking about an all-time shooter. He could play. That dude, special, special player. Yep. Yeah. My, it's, yeah, 78% my free throws, and then th throughout the rest of my career, it was like 80, 88. Because you stopped thinking. Yeah, I found I your zen, thinking. Travis. So I, got, I found that zen. Alan, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yes. Now I'm going to That's some early BYU Sports Nation karma. I, I, that's from absolutely Alan right. Houston in New York. Travis, we'll finish with this. BYU, understandably, in a tough place emotionally right now, given the tough losses on the road to Santa Clara and San Francisco, and then you come home and you battle and lose just a heartbreaker to your longtime rival in St. Mary's. And now here comes LMU, who just beat Gonzaga in Spokane. They're in third place. They're coming to the Marriott Center, riding a wave of confidence. If you're in that locker room talking to the BYU guys, what are you saying? You're added to the staff. What's your message to the team to get them right for Thursday and a really good LMU team? Added to the best locker room in America staff? Added to the – oh, man, I'd be excited. I, 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 would, I would dive into film. You know, margin of error and, and you know, today's game is just so small. And, and it's the loose balls. It's the 50-50 balls. It's the free throws. It's the little things. So the fact that we're in the games is the best message ever. You're in the games. You're competing defensively, offensively, whatever it is that's getting us there. And so I would just dive into the film and let these guys see the mistakes they're making and some of the opportunities they've missed and, and some of the reads they're missing. There's just a few reads coming off the screen. This guy was open. You didn't see it. The window was there, but it closed too fast. That they can adapt and adjust and put them in self, uh, their team and themselves in a position to close out games a little bit better. They're super close. But I would, I would definitely make my way into the film room and get ready for LMU. You're always welcome to be an analyst on BYU TV. Thank you know you. that, right? Thank you. Like you can, there's, there can be a zen here for you as well. <laughs> Thank you. In the actual game, you can come down from your seat and just sit right with me and Blaine yeah. and Spencer on the sideline and just lay it out, whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, no problem. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on BYU Sports Nation. At this point, uh, we're all hoping for the NIT. I think that's an attainable goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah. BYU, you should be excited. Pope in the house, Big 12 coming up. Ride the season out, and let's, let's get excited for next. Thanks for hanging out, Travis. Thank you, guys. If you've missed any of our BYU TV sports interviews, shows, or games, you just want to watch them again, go to BYUSN.com. I think you can find some vintage Travis Hansen on that as well. For sure. Uh, BYUSN.com or download the BYU TV app and get all the BYU TV sports content on demand. I'm serious when I ask this. Would Steve Young have made a difference for the San Francisco 49ers if he were put into the game yesterday. I know how old he is. Would he have made a positive impact? We're going to discuss that next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation to interact with the show and get Great content throughout the day. Follow us on our social media platforms. It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is the sharpshooting Dave McCann. I am merely Spencer Linton. Let's whip it! 
Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Is Andy Reid the most accomplished former Cougar at the professional level? He's taking his Chiefs wow. back to the Super Bowl. He's setting all types of records as a head coach in the NFL for sure. And look if, at all this. If he wins another Super Bowl, Dave, he's got a real case. He is a Hall of Famer at some point. He's going to be inducted yeah, into sure. the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But three times NFL Coach of the Year, he got that Super Bowl title and the proverbial monkey off the back in that scenario. I still think Steve Young is the guy, but if Andy wins another Super Bowl, Dave, maybe he supplants Ainge and Young. So Ainge has two NBA world titles and a third as an administrator, as president of the Celtics. So Great point. Is Ainge ahead of Young? Is yeah, well, is Danny. Is Danny a Hall of Fame player in the NBA, in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame? Because that's, that's where Steve Young has an advantage, right? Right, but does, does the executiveness yeah. of what Ainge did, and his, we'll see what he does with the Jazz. I mean, Steve was an MVP of the NFL twice. So that's a fun debate. Yeah, it is. It's great that those guys are BYU guys and that we're sitting here talking about their legendary status. It's fun to watch Andy Reid uh, just do his thing. Despite the fact that he's in red from head to toe, he's just, He's just got the game under yeah. control. Right now, it's still Steve Young for me. If Andy Reid wins another Super Bowl as a coach in a couple of weeks, let's re let's re revisit this conversation. Well, let's ask Young that when he comes back <laughs> on the show. <laughs> All right, Lauren Gustin, as we move to BYU women's basketball. Tough loss against Pacific, but she did grab her 1,000th rebound of her career. She leads the nation in rebounding. Nobody better. She's 462 rebounds from tying Tina Gunn in that all-time career mark. Will she get there? She's so good at what she does. And she'll be the first to say, I'm kind of undersized. But she fights for every loose ball. The Big 12 is next season, yep. which would be her final year. Um, there's bigger players and better players in that league. So on games where she gets 24 rebounds and San Diego gets 23, I think those <laughs> probably won't happen. No more rebounding the, out rebounding the entire team. I don't think she's going to out-rebound <laughs> Kansas or Texas Tech or Texas, but her tenacity gives her a shot. She needs to finish strong. You know, she's, she's getting, I mean, lately it's, it's yes. 19, 20 rebounds yes. a game. Yes. Finish strong, and then she's got a legitimate shot to be the all-time yes. rebounder. I'm going to break it down for you in numbers, okay? So first of all, yes, she will get there, and here's why. The women's basketball team probably has somewhere between 8 and 10 games left this season. Let's say she's just on her season average, which is 16. So you do the math, 8 times 16 is 128 rebounds. Okay, so that now takes her to within 334 total rebounds. And she's going to play 31 games-ish next year. Stays healthy. Yeah. Okay, if she stays healthy. That's essentially 11 or 12 rebounds a game. She will get there, Dave. It's going to happen, even in the Big 12, even if she has a little bit of a drop-off against tougher, more physical competition. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch. Eager to see what she does Saturday against San Diego again. Yeah, I did a lot of math on the air. You can fact check me at home. <laughs> when we do live math, look out. <laughs> 12th ranked men's volleyball. They got a win Friday over 6th ranked UC Irvine on the road. So call your shot right now when the new poll comes out. Will BYU be back in the top 10? Yes, right at number 10, I think. Right at number 10. I think they deserve a two-spot jump. I, I expect BYU to show up at number 10 after splitting with UC Irvine. They were swept 
three to nothing in that first matchup, and then it took five sets. So, I, hey, but you went on the road against a good team. Yeah, jump them up two spots. Why not? You buying that? Yeah, let's do it. After the 49ers saw Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson with Jimmy Garoppolo already on the bench and Trey Lance not playing for the 49ers. Yeah. Everybody's injured a quarterback. 49ers Paradise, a Twitter account, tweets out, uh, paging Steve Young QB, are you at the game? I'll buy you a jersey. <laughs> Steve responded to that tweet with, warming up in the parking lot, let me know. Would Steve Young, yes, we're serious, have made a difference yesterday for the 49ers at 58 years old or whatever he is? Have we ever met someone more competitative than Steve Young? Oh, it's tough. To, Danny Ainge, maybe? Going maybe. back to that legend back conversation? Back that. Maybe. I think if, if they could have given Young a jersey and said, <laughs> go in there and throw some screen passes. Steve. For his love of the 49ers, yeah. the gladiator would return to the field. Like, his arm is still good enough to throw a few <laughs> screen passes and some of those mid-range passes. He can still break down a defense. The question is, if you're the Eagles, how hard would you tackle? <laughs> would you just bring the house, or would you go, hey, that's that's a legend, kind of, uh, we could kill him if we hit yeah, him on a yes. list. But hey. you, know, he, you know he'd take a snap. <laughs> and that's too bad, because they had a chance to win that game until Purdy got A uh, really tough situation for uh, the 49ers and our Bummer. guy Fred Warner. And hey, let's keep talking football, shall we? Up next with former NFL man and BYU football great David Nixon. Where does he stand on this whole transfer portal situation and his expectations for the Cougars in the Big 12? Does he know when the schedule's coming out? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B on a very busy Monday alongside Dave McCann. I am Spencer Linton. Let's bring in another fantastic person to the conversation, shall we? He is BYU TV football analyst, a former NFL and BYU linebacker, David Nixon, joining the program over Zoom. Dave, great to see your face. Um, welcome to the program on a Monday. Let's talk some football, even though there's only one game left, the Super Bowl. And... We don't have a BYU player in it, but we do have a former BYU. Well, I, I guess in a way he's in it as the head coach and Andy Reid. And that got us thinking, like, is he the most accomplished former BYU Cougar ever? I mean, he's up there with Steve Young and Danny Ainge. Where do you, where do you think Andy Reid fits in that combo? I mean, he's, yeah, he's got to be up there with the potential now to, uh, you know, I, I love the storyline that he's facing his old team in the, in the Philadelphia Eagles, right? And, and the fact that he's to square off with them for a Super Bowl, and, and I imagine the motions that are going through him. But uh, to do what he's done, and and like I said, with, with different teams and the longevity, I mean, I, I've watched clips of him. These players love him. They love playing for him. And I know we've all had interactions with Andy when he comes back to BYU uh, to speak to the football team or just be around the program. Uh, I, I look back to last season. If you guys recall, uh, he was here for one of the, the home games, and I can't remember which game it was. It was a night game. It was cold outside, and sure enough, they panned Andy Reid in the stand, in the stadium, in the stands, sitting amongst the common people. Uh, when he could have been up in the, in the press box in a nice, warm, toasty press box, but instead he was just out there with everyone else. And I think that speaks volumes to who Andy Reid is. Like, he's a man of the people. The players love him. They love playing for him. Uh, and it shows. I mean, he, he's able to ride the troops. And in yesterday's game, and in, in the pitiful, you know, pivotal situations, 
he's able to get the guys, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the situations they need to make and, and plays they need to make in order to win that game. And so uh, no question he's up there in some of the elite status of, of the BYU level. So now with a couple of weeks to rest up and get everybody healthy, can he go and beat the Eagles, his former team, in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks? I think so. I think so. I, I, the Eagles, obviously, they dismantled the 49ers without a quarterback uh, yesterday. But, um, you know, I, I, I would never uh, count, you know, go against or bet against Andy Reid. I, I think he's just a veteran coach that's been around the block. He's got a quarterback who's been hobbled that will have two weeks to go over the high ankle sprain. Uh, I think he has a, has a really good shot. And, and once again, he knows the Eagles inside and out. And so uh, this is a really intriguing matchup. Uh, and it's, frankly, it's the two number one seeds, right? I mean, these are the two best teams in the league. And so this is how it should have played out. And, and sure enough, we get a chance to watch a, a really intriguing game. Now, I just mentioned there are no former BYU players playing uh, in the Super Bowl. We thought maybe Fred Warner was going to get there until they had that just awful quarterback scenario take place. So as we look back on all of the guys that played in the NFL this season that rep the Y, which former Cougar had the best NFL season other than Fred Warner because he's all pro Fred at the top of the list. I mean, this season, how fun was this season? I feel like week in and week out, there was a different BYU guy that went off, right? Whether it was Tyler Algier, whether it was Jamal Williams, whether it was Taysom. Taysom had some breakout games, yes. right? I mean, every week and sometimes weeks where you had multiple guys uh, that were just crushing it. And I mean, I look at Jamal Williams, when, you, when you're breaking records, that's pretty impressive. You kind of have to give the nod to Jamal in that in that category. He came in. DeAndre Swift went went down with an injury, and Jamal came in and filled in great. And and obviously went on to like I said, break records. I mean, just incredible what what Jamal has done. And man, don't you just love Jamal too? I mean, from a media <laughs> perspective, watching those interviews and the way that he goes out there and just says it like it is, and uh, he's just he's just awesome. I, I think everybody rallies around him as well. I mean, look at his teammates, and they realize he's a little goofy sometimes but they respect him because that guy's just a workhorse. And, and that's something he had to BYU too, his work ethics, unlike any other. We got to get him an NIL deal with downy paper towels. Did you see that? Did you see what he did? <laughs> Eating his wings? His commercial. I mean, who knew this guy? Oh, We're getting it. closer to being able to put together an entire fantasy football roster Wild. of highly productive BYU players. You know, we have Jaron Hall. Well, and, 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 you know, you mentioned – you mentioned Matt Bush. Well, you mentioned Kansas City. Matt Bushman's yeah. back with Kansas City, correct? And so hopefully now with his injury and settling next year, he's on a squad. Put him at tight end. Uh, Taysom, put him at running back or put him wherever you want, quarterback. I mean, he can play anywhere. I, I'm with you, Dave. We're, we're getting pretty close. Got, we got yeah. Williams and Algiers, your running backs, because Taysom could do tight end. You go with Fred Warner defense and take the 49ers defense. Okay. We need a kicker. We, got, we don't have a kicker in the league. <laughs> Uh, but we're getting closer. You don't have to kickers. implement a kicker in fantasy football. No. You can take the kicker no. position totally out. A kicker in, position. In my, in my experience, my kickers lose me points because they miss field goals throughout the game, so I get negative <laughs> points. I just I bench them every week. Hey, <laughs> we got signing day on Wednesday. This Big 12 schedule I'll ask you about in a moment uh, might come out tomorrow. Um, but BYU now has the dust has settled from the first portal go round. The portal will open up again after spring practice for everybody. But how do you feel the Cougars did with what they're doing at the defensive line spot with these new faces coming in? And then, of course, uh, with Keaton Slovis and, and uh, Aiden Robbins on offense. I, I love it. I, I think they went and filled gaps they need to fill. And, and this is something I go back to last season. This, this time last year, I was kind of preaching the same thing. Listen, 
BYU needs to go out there and fill in the D-line gaps. There's 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 obvious uh, you know holes there that BYU needs to go address, and they, and they frankly they didn't. And I, I was kind of you know preaching that all off season was man that defense line didn't really get better. Um, whereas in this year, I feel like they did, and, and, and so I'm happy with with the progress that's made as you as you mentioned, Dave, uh, with Jackson Cravens, um, Isaiah Bagna. Is that you say the last name Bagna? Well, Banya. I'll, I'll we just learned it's Banya. Banya, there you go. I'll get to know that name as, as the season progresses. But, um, you know, I, I think those are huge additions to that D-line. Uh, and what, what I love about this coaching staff is they knew exactly who they were trying to get. They know the scheme they're going to try and implement. And they went after those exact uh, transfer portal guys and recruits. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a shift of, of this new mindset of what defense they plan to run and what's the personnel they need to fit that defense. And they're going after those guys. Of course, it makes sense. It's nice to Kelly Pinga coach those guys up there. He knows what they're capable of. Um, but I, I have feel like that, that this transfer portal, ever since these new coaches have come on, it's been a targeted approach of who they go after. And, and so far, I think they're getting their guys. David, with all of the changes happening on the staff and on the roster, with Jay Hill coming in and that whole defensive staff getting a serious makeover, and the transfer portal additions we just talked about, led by Keaton Slovis at quarterback and Aiden Robbins running back and a bunch of the dudes that you just brought up. What does it all mean? Because I have a bunch of people ask me, well, how does this affect BYU? Like, how many games are they going to win in year one of the Big 12 with all these guys and all these staff changes? I would set the over-under at seven and a half. Am I too ambitious in that regard? Is that asking too much in year one of Power 5 play? I don't think so. I don't think so. When BYU, if you look back at BYU, when we're at full strength and we get our guys taken care of and we're not banged up, which, listen, it's been a few seasons. Every I feel like the last three, four seasons, somebody's hurt every season. If we can find a way, if BYU can find a way to keep those guys healthy, I'm telling you, we can compete with anybody. And we saw it last year against, against Baylor early in the season, right? Um, now, as injuries occur, yeah, it could be a brutal season. If guys start dropping like flies like we've seen, then maybe seven and a half is the right number. But I think if BYU has a healthy starting 22 and you can keep most of those guys, obviously you're not going to keep all of them. There's going to be injuries. But if you can keep the majority of them healthy, I, I don't see why you can't get more wins than that. I mean, I think the Big 12 is going to be – it's going to be a tough adjustment, right, the week-to-week, -week, the grind, et cetera. But BYU has been preparing for this. Seven P5s this last year, you know, plenty of P5s in years prior. I think BYU has been building up to this moment. Uh, I think for them it's just can you keep guys healthy? I mean, and, and not just guys, but your starters your key contributors, your captains. And this was something else that, that BYU struggled with is their captains have, have gone down with injuries. And when you're losing your captains, the guys have been your voice and, and the whole team looks to those guys uh, during off-season workouts and even during fall camp, et cetera, and your captain goes down, that's a big blow. Now you got to go find a new guy to kind of rally the troops. And so for me, it's, it's keeping your key players healthy, keeping your captains healthy. Uh, and if BYU can do that, there's no, there's no doubt that they can hang with all those teams in the Big 12. It's nice to get David Nixon on a Monday because it's the one day after the only day he shaves all week long. It's so look how nice he looks. You're running a multi-million dollar business with that look. I, I'm keeping a little more trim lately. I hate shaving it, David. Hey, David Nixon, always great to talk to you, my friend. Uh, let's do it again soon. Yeah, that was fun. Take care, guys. Right, thanks, man. Join us on BYU Sports Nation Wednesday, February 1st. It's signing day. We'll introduce you to the latest names and faces in BYU signing class. We'll hear from Coach Sataki as well. Noon Eastern time, BYU TV, BYU Radio, and our apps. Looking forward to that. You know what? We've mourned the men's basketball loss to St. Mary's enough, so we're going to celebrate something next. At least I am. Stay with us for more on BYU Sports Nation. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review the show, please. I've never been more excited to present our fantasy basketball results as I am today. I'm just happy to be here. Monday, January 30th. I got my first win of the season, Dave. Congratulations. Let's go. You earned it. You've been asking for it for a while. I finally think, delivered. Honest, I didn't think it was coming. <laughs> but here it is. Here it is. And by 12, uh, Nani Falatea. So what happened? Nani Falatea was fantastic. That's what happened. She actually outscored <laughs> Lauren Gustin yeah. uh, a couple of times last week. And I got just enough from my other pieces. So thank you to Ariel Mackey-Williams, Gideon George, Spencer Johnson, and Nani Falatea. No thanks to Mitchell Saxon from St. Mary's. He scored points for him, but I'm not going to thank him. So is this a uh, turning point? Can you stay focused and do it again this weekend? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's live in the I'll moment. I'll take the one. Yep. Let's live in the moment. Jerem's not even here for me to revel. I know, but I'm sure you'll make it up. Yeah, that's true. I will. <laughs> Our question of the day. Which one-point BYU basketball loss hurts worse? Gonzaga or St. Mary's? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated, comes from longtime BYUSN follower Tasha Sabi, big basketball fan. She says St. Mary's because it's St. Mary's. Hashtag St. Mary's face. Also, BYU is expected to lose to Gonzaga the majority of the time, but really should beat St. Mary's at home? I don't know about this year. In close games, the PTSD from the Dell of a Dagger certainly doesn't help either. No. no. Painful losses, both of them. Two in the Marriott Center. Just ah. Let's be done with those. It all starts anew Thursday night. Yes. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. One to Riley Nelson, who's done as Greg Rebell's color analyst um, with the BYU football radio broadcast. And how about Matt Bushman? He's back with the practice squad with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you get a ring? Do you get a ring if you finish it? That's a great question. We should ask Andy. For Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Mark Bigelow. We'll see you tomorrow on BYUSN.